episode for sure. So Trish, welcome to the Surf and Sales. You're the first live podcast recording we've ever done. So uh, where we have an audience, we actually have an audience with us. So we're super ha happy to have you with us. So thanks for joining us today. It is my pleasure. So um, we talked about having you on for a while and we just never were able to schedule it. And then all- And I was at the bottom of the list. So you were like, yeah, what? That's yeah. Scott's fault. Scott was in charge of that. That's just so oh, you know. Cool. That was your rebellious <laughs> child. So. Yes, yes. Um, the, the purpose of the conversation really is is to be just a very frank conversation. You came up with this hashtag of be the bounce. Yep. Um, I think we've, we've all been feeling stress, anxiety, concern, uh, a little bit of joy maybe for some people, like a little bit of everything. And I want to really focus in on this be the bounce thing because I'm in California, so I'm on like week four of containment, right? So for me, I'm like emotionally kind of ready to turn this page, right? Uh, I have people in other parts of the country who are like just getting started <laughs> and they're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? So they're, people are all over the place. So just so we understand, like where did Be The Bounce even come from? How did you come up with it? You know, tell us a little about the, the genesis of it. So... I was talking to a lot of SDRs and they were, and they were struggling with, you know, what, what is my job now? Like my boss is expecting me to do what I've always done before and it just, it's not working. So what is my job now? And if, if you have these same expectations you had a month ago, get over yourself, right? It's a whole new world. So what I decided to do was ask the executive community amongst us, sales executives and whatever, instead of saying, I need to get my team ready for when this thing turns around, take it upon yourself and say, I'm going to do something to be ready for when this thing bounces. And, and that thing that my initial request was for them to take at least one call a day and if, even if you can't do one call a day, two a week, three a week, whatever the case may be, listen to a salesperson, process what they're saying, file it for like a yes, a no, maybe future potential. But when the bounce happens, let's not just be thinking about ourselves. Let's be thinking about the entire community and how we can get this economy up and productive as quickly as possible. So it was my outreach to executives and decision makers that um, that was behind the movement. So, so the message to executives is, hey, everybody, you know, take at least one call a week. <clears throat> a day. People... I asked for a day, day but I was reading. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, a day. Um, let people do their job, listen, right, and kind of lean into giving people the opportunity to keep their skills sharp so when things bounce back, everybody's ready. It wasn't about them keeping their skills sharp. I'll be honest, Scott. It was more about actually listen to what they have to say. Maybe there's something they can do or something that they offer that you can actually use in your business in the future. So it wasn't just an exercise in let's help SDRs improve their skills and give them feedback. It was, are these people offering something that might, be a business requirement of yours in the future so maybe you can enter their pipeline at some point a b c or d gotcha gotcha yeah and what was the do you have you followed up with those people are they doing it so i'm, I'm laughing because my husband is 
crazily cleaning the kitchen over there. Um, so I, I didn't, because I didn't ask specific people, right? I put it out to the community. I don't know if you've seen the post, but it's, it's had, I don't know, something crazy, like 185,000 views, 2,500 reactions, 160 comments, whatever. So it caught on. And it wasn't like I was saying, you, Scott, you, Richard, you, John Drury, you, Gary King, though I am talking to you, Gary King, you know, you have to do this. I, I was putting it out and saying, you can't just look at your SDR and AE team and say, when this comes back, you need to be prepared. We need to be prepared. We have to do our part. I'm asking people to pay it forward and do for other people's sales teams what you hope someone does for yours. That was my initial impetus. Yeah, great. That, that's really that's really powerful. By the way, someone told me this was happy hour, so. Yeah, it is. By the way, cheers. Yeah. So, At least here, it is here. So, I'm hey, doing an IPA for, in honor of Scott. So. Hi, Don Drury. There you go, buddy. My son Riley said, is everybody going to do shots? And I said, you know, that's actually pretty funny. We should come up with a word that every time somebody says, you know, like Bob, when someone uses the word Bob, everybody's got to do a shot. Okay. So, I have the word that I want to use then. What's that? Pivot. 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 What is it? Yeah. Does this mean that you, you despise this word or does this mean- I love this word. You love the word. Tell me more about that. I'm madly in love with this word. So if you're still thinking that either flagellating your SDR and AE team and or cutting it into ribbons is the answer to this problem, you're wrong. My personal opinion, right? I think the answer lies in our ability to look at our businesses and pivot. And here's what I mean by that. One, if you're selling to what this brilliant person called Mappertuzzi calls the MAI or massively affected industries, if you're selling to a massively, a massively, <laughs> my husband says hi. If you're selling, everyone says hi. If you're selling to a massively affected industry, travel, restaurant, whatever the case may be, you need to pivot your organization into other vertical areas that might have potential for you. Like everyone has outliers, right? Everyone talks about their ideal customer profile and it's blah, 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 blah. But we all have customers that are outliers and they're successful. Like I sell to B2B tech. I have a dust containment system company that's been my client for 10 years. I sell to Superior Glove. They make every kind of glove known to me. You know what I mean? We all have outliers. My Look client. at your outliers. And you, Trish. They used to be my client. Well, I didn't. We share the client. Then. So what I'm saying to these people is look at your customer base and maybe pivot, not just your message, but your offering so that it's appropriate for someone that hasn't been your non-traditional ICP. Have you, have, you managed, have you managed to do that for your own business? I've, so no, but let me tell you why I haven't. Um, I have not done, I'm the queen of outbound. I am passionate about outbound calling, right? It's, it's what I do. It's my favorite thing to do. And I haven't made an outbound call in three weeks which is like crazy same. for me, right? Same, same as me, so I wanna hear more right. about that. The reason I haven't is because I'm really being deliberate 
about the message I want to bring to the market. And everybody needs to be delivered. Deliver, you know, deliberate about the message we're going to bring to a market. I don't want to go out there and say, hey, you're thinking of laying off people. I can tell you which ones to lay off. Or, you know, hey, whatever. I really want to think about what I've learned in the past three weeks, and it has been a ton. And I want to say to people, I am more than willing to share this with you. No selling, just a conversation. And I want to have topical areas that might resonate with them because I want to plant the seed for the bounce. So I've taken the last three weeks, and I'm not done yet, um, to really think about where I can add the most value. And um, I'm going to start my outbound again probably at the end of the week. Hot. Wanted. Oh, wait, what is this? Yeah, that's my son bringing a shot in to me because he knew this was a meeting. Trish, Richard. Can you unmute Trish, Richard? You muted me. I'm back. I'm, I think in the short term, Scott, I'm only going to talk to people that I've had conversations with in the past. I think me going cold, if I've never had a conversation with you ever, never, ever, yeah. me going cold to you now, no matter what my message is, it doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. But if I've talked to you, and I've talked to a lot of people over the last few years, and I can say, hey, the last time we had a conversation, this is what we talked about. Let's talk about how you pivot that for this new reality that I'm more comfortable with. So I think I'm going to, I'm an SDR. I'm an SDR at the Bridge Group. That's all I am. So I think I'm going to pivot my message and pivot who I share it with. I've been giving some similar type advice. <clears throat> I've been telling people to first lean into their current customer base. Absolutely. And then start, start with the people who have been furthest down the funnel who didn't purchase and slowly work their way back up. So all the people that you've had yeah. conversations with to never talk to before being the, the last people that um, I'm, I've been advising people to, to go after. And yeah. for me, for me in, in, in my business, like similar to you a little bit, um, I don't have anybody who works for me, so it's all me. So I'm SDR, AE, everything. Um, I do not feel good about cold reaching out to somebody right now and just taking away any bit of their time and energy and focus. Instead, I've pivoted to use your term. I've pivoted to trying to be more active and visible than I've ever been in my entire adult life. I'm, a, I'm appearing on every freaking happy hour, every Zoom meeting thing you can imagine. And what's happening is I'm getting inbound all over the place. And so I, I'm so far, knock on wood, have been shielded from some of the, the downturn. Um, so that, that's what's been working, you know, for me. Hey, Scott, this is Don Drury. Um, hey, Trish, how are you doing? Good, Don. How are you? How's things in Lemonster? Things are great. And good to see you again. Um, one thing, I've been doing a lot of work with a um, private equity firm and their portfolio companies. And I've had the privilege of sitting in with the CEOs, the CROs, the CSOs, and various coaching meetings over the last three or four weeks. 
one interesting stat for all of us is that any outreach you do, if you refer to coronavirus, COVID, any of those terms, one, I don't know if it was Rain Focus, one of the companies out there did research and 80% of the click-through rates when that's in the um, subject line, are, they don't, they've just dropped off. People are overwhelmed and they just can't handle it. And you say things like in these challenging times, unprecedented, I mean, that language is becoming such noise right now that we have to do what we're all talking about, which is pivot to a message that says, we're a partner, we're gonna go through this together. You know, it's not about moving the deal forward. It's about saying, what can we do to help each other and be ready when the, you know, when the cloud kind of lifts and be ready to do a commercial conversation again. And it's really interesting because funnels, I just put out a blog post today, but funnels have gone from being funnels to being knitting needles, very long and narrow. There's a few deals in there, but everybody's reevaluating the value prop. You know, are we a nice to have or a must have? Where are we in that stack of needs for the buyers? And I think that's what we all have to think about is how do we pivot and say, let's go through this together and be in service and not just be viewed as vendor and buyer. So your point, John, yeah, can, well said. Yeah, yeah, I've heard I've heard and seen that stat lately too. I think um, and I agree with it. And I think it's what a lot of us have been saying is, you know, at this point your SDRs in some cases, at least even a week or two ago, um, were were, you know, we were telling people don't even call anybody, just, you know, move them over to customer success, let them learn how to handle some customer success calls, let them learn another part of the business, keep them employed, you know, see what you can do there, see how they can help in marketing, you know, keep them employed, but, but let them learn a new skill. But I, there's a question that actually came, um, that, that came up. Uh, there's one coming from Matt, which we'll do in a second, but McKaylee asked, Trish, how do we do this if I'm an SDR? If I'm an SDR and I have to pivot my message, how do I do that? What if my leadership isn't understanding how to pivot it? You know, I still am an SDR. I'm still, you know, being held accountable. I'm trying to think how to be politically correct when I answer this. Don't be politically correct. This is, this is surface sales. This Fuck is that. not your problem if you're an SDR. This is not your problem. This is a management problem. This is a sales and marketing management problem. And if it's not recognized, I would use whatever tools, well, you kind of don't want to throw yourself under that bus. It, it, this is a tough one. You know, I don't think this is an SDR problem. I don't think SDRs know how, not that they don't know how, they don't have the tools at their disposal to pivot. They don't have the data at their disposal to pivot. If management is not stepping up and figuring this out for you, Remember that. Yeah. yeah, you're in the wrong. You're in the wrong spot long term. In the wrong things, company. I'm just saying. When things okay. bounce, when things bounce back, you should probably bounce out of there. I wouldn't do it right now. Don't, I didn't say that. I just said remember that. I'll, I'll say it. Everybody here who knows me knows that I'm not politically correct whatsoever. So okay. you can you can toe the line, and I'll just let it rip. But how many times are people going to have to pivot? That's, that's, that's the thing. So you only pivoted once because in the first week, everybody was like, what the hell is going on? Don't talk to anybody. Now you pivot a little bit to like you know, leading with empathy, pivoting away from using COVID and subject lines and things like that. So I'm curious, Trish, your take, like how many pivots are there going to be? And how often is somebody going to have to pivot and change the messaging? Because I personally think there's going to be a ton. Well, Scott, if I knew that, 
I would be doing the press conferences, not, you know, you know who, right? Well, you're equally qualified. Well, so here's the deal. I don't, to me, pivot is a big word. Pivot to me is a big word with a lot of thought behind it. It's not a tweak. It's not a tweak to the message. It's not a tweak to the process. A pivot says I am substantially going to change what I'm doing or change my, change my business. I don't think shutting off automated emails is a huge pivot. I mean, everyone should have done that already. If you are still sending out what you were sending out using Outreach Sales Loft or anything else before, come on. You are damaging your brand. By the way, look at your opt-out rate. I bet it's quadruple. I think a pivot is something more substantial. I think a pivot, you know, I think we pivoted once. I think we need to pivot again in the short term because God knows how long this is gonna last, but in the short term, and I think we'll take a final pivot that will substantially change our business as we're coming out of this and going into the bounce. So to me, pivots big, not process tweak or, or something like that. Cool. I know, I know Matt Cameron, um, we all know. Um, and love. Has a, has, has a question. I think he's dialing in from Vegas still, right? Um, yeah. Where, where officially, if I'm not mistaken, if you go outside in Las Vegas now, you can actually see the stars. Right, the lights are so off that you can actually see stars in Vegas. Yep, it, 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 that's true. Um, I'd love, I love Trisha's perspective on this, but uh, for everybody, I, I grew up in enterprise Vicky, I sales. Love you. And, <laughs> the the uh, thing that this, the former CFO of Johnson and Johnson taught me, I think, is very applicable for all of us right now. Back when we were writing letters, trying to get past the assistant to the executive, I, he, I said, "How do I get my letter in front of you to you read it?" And he said. My assistant needs to believe that you know something that I need to know now. And if you unpack that a second, forgetting the letter, right, just apply that. I, I mean, it, 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 it's just so relevant now, but it's relevant always. But just, I think that's really sage advice. Again, I want Trish to give me some feedback on this because this works perfectly in enterprise and mid-market when I can take the time to think about the individual I'm writing to, what their function is and where their company's at because it's all public information. I can get that, right? Yeah. It's easy. I will say that the way we're training our SDRs these days in general um, doesn't support that. We're getting too automated and people aren't actually getting, they're getting away from the abstract and thinking in this moment, this week, what is important to Matt Cameron and write to him about that, how I can support him in that. The big question, I think, is how we do that at a persona level in times like these. Because there are companies that have need for your service. There are individuals that have need for your service in this moment. And that big thing, I think, is we need to figure out in this moment who needs what you do. Do you have a reaction to that, Trish? Well, how many people here, and I can't see all of you, but how many people here have read the book by Craig Kleeman called The Must React System? Okay. No, nope, nobody. I don't okay. see anybody. All right. Craig with a K, Kleeman, K-L-E-E-M-A-N. He wrote this book called The Must React System. I don't even know how long ago. It's like 80 pages, 90 pages at the max. I think we need to bring back the must react system. Maybe it needs an iteration, but I think it's a great concept. It's about 
creating a executive overview deck presentation whatever you choose to call it that has information that you know that your buyer probably doesn't know or maybe they know some of it but they don't know all of it that you use to get in front of them right you're like i know what 400 SaaS companies are doing right now with their SDR teams. Would you like to know as well? Whatever the case may be, but it's called the must react system because it is about sharing information that they don't have that makes them react. I think it needs a tweak, but I think it's very interesting for this day and age. And all the SDR does in this scenario, by the way, is sell the meeting to share the information. No planting the value proposition, no trying to create vision, no qualification. They are getting the meeting with the senior executive so that the AE can share information. Now, the challenge with the must react system, if we take the light off the SDRs and shine it on the AEs, which we never flipping do by the way, but let's say we do, we take the light off the SDRs and we shine it on the AEs. We got you in front of the right guy at the right company to deliver the right information. Do you have the skills to launch the sales process and craft a vision? That's genius. I really like it. I have, I have not heard that. I know Craig, but I've never read his book, so I need to go get that. Yes, it, sure. It's, I mean, think about evolving it for the now, but I think it's, it's a really, really good idea. But it, it's... <laughs> SDR, but you put the words in their mouth and you send them on the path, which I think is perfect for now, but the AEs who we never shine a light on and we never analyze the ever-loving shit out of like we do with our SDRs, they need the skills to launch the sales process from a cold introductory meeting, craft a vision and move on. That I would not endorse, but was used in the 90s and early 2000s was that the old voicemail, which was, um, hi, Trish, it's Matt Cameron here. I'd like to, I wanted to chat to you about competitor X. Please give me a call back on blah. And you don't know whether it's a recruiting call, a inside information call or whatever else, but, and I don't endorse it because I think it's cynical, but the point is it illustrates your point, which is I think that if they believe you have critical information, they're going to give you time. And most of us don't think hard enough about what that critical information might be. Matt, it sounds so much better with your accent than mine, but that's exactly my point. Yeah. It always works better in America for someone else's accent. So oh my God. Um, Chris, just to um, back up what you're saying, when you and I worked together with Kronos, um, yeah. A couple of years back, we won't say that, but um, Paul Lacey, I don't know if you remember, Paul was the CFO there. I had him come into all of my enablement um, onboarding classes and talk to the reps about how do you get to the CFO. So guys, this was in the early aughts, yeah. <laughs> put it that way. Um, and Paul said, if you don't tell me in the first minute something I don't know about my business, um, I'm going to have told you that I have 20 minutes and my uh, assistant is going to interrupt me and I'm going to hang up the call. Yes. So, you know, Matt, what you're saying yeah. is spot on about catching and grabbing them. And, and Trish, the, the, the stuff I've been doing the last like two months is with these sales teams to exactly your point. How do the AEs get this new message and be able to deliver it and say, you know what? 
we get that you don't care about any of these things. Here's something you might want to be thinking about. It doesn't have a sales pitch like a close pitch. It's just sharing the information and saying, should we look at this? Because I think there's yeah. a big pivot here, reevaluating our value as we're talking to these guys. I'm, I'm going to give the AEs a pass on messaging just like I do the SDRs. I think, I think, and I'm going to put myself in this boat with, with my team, and I'm sure they'd be more than happy to club me to death over it. But I think we got lazy with our messaging. I think when everything was easy, we all found what worked and resonated, and we all wrote it out. So when I look at my team right now, whose job is it to figure out how we, I'm not going to say it, Nikki, because I don't want to do the shot, but you know, whose job is it to figure out what the next, next iteration of the message should be? It's not my SDRs. It's not my AEs. It is mine. Mine, sales executives, marketing executives. It is our job to figure out what the next iteration of our messaging should be. And let me add, this is my big rant lately. If you are a sales or marketing executive and you are not on the phone making those damn calls yourself, sending those emails, reading those replies, seeing what buyers are saying, what are you doing all day? Because you ain't that busy, right? You're at home, you get time. So walk a mile in the shoes of your people. Now is the time to do it, to figure out how do I help them and how are buyers reacting? So I'm throwing down that gauntlet. I threw that gauntlet down yesterday on Modern Sales Pros too. Like, you know, please, you know, and I even, I even went so far as to say, no, your SDRs can't even set these appointments for you. You have to pick up the phone and figure it out. You have to find their phone number. Well, that's the hard phone. part. Any, right? any hard. monkey can conduct a meeting. It's getting the meeting. That's the hard part. I agree. So I want, I want, so Thomas Stearns, I had a question. So Thomas, I unmuted you. Oh, so. one, another one of my favorite guys. Hi Trish. Good to Hi. see everybody. Uh, I got a couple of examples of uh, some tactics that I've seen some teams um, use one in your take on them. Some are in progress. One has had some success to get specific. So one team um, marketing teed up several webinars over the course of the next three weeks that are not COVID specific, but they did a little bit of analysis on what they think is important to their, their accounts today, their buyers today, and marketing teed up some of these accounts. And then the SDRs took that and called in with that opening. Like, hey, we understand uh, that th this topic might be relevant to you, wanted to invite you to this webinar. And then they would pivot, you know, they get some interest or n no interest, but then they would pivot and say, and you know, we also have experienced account executives here that we could set up a meeting if you'd like a consultation. So, I mean, that's not like an unusual tactic for an SDR to use in normal times, um, but they get, a team of five got nine meetings last week out of that. Um, and so nine I thought meetings that was, or nine registrants for the for the webinar. They got nine meetings out of that. And out I think of they got post a, webinar. Yeah, well, they it, they used it as the open and they booked a meeting on top of it. So they got the registration plus the <laughs> meeting. They, they used the webinar as the as the as the attention grabber, and then they were able to. Yeah, then they booked the meeting and then they registered them on top. Yeah, of it. They got a few registrants that wouldn't take the meeting via email and things like that. But I thought that was interesting. Another team um, made the pivot you spoke of earlier, Trish, where they, they identified what they were selling wasn't rel relative to the situation now. And they, they made this pivot like within a week. 
and it was easier for their business, but they start, they target a different segment of their market with a different offering and that's maintained some momentum. And the last one that's still in motion that, uh, that hasn't come, become of anything yet is that the, the sales team went to the account managers of the existing business and said, look, we need you to talk to your, our clients today and get their opinions on what is going to help them come out of this. What will be the bounce? Mm. And then they packaged up that information and they've given it to the SDR. So when the SDRs call in and use the client voice tactic of like, hey, we're speaking to your peers and your peers are telling us some of these things are going to be important to them when the economy starts to come back. Uh, curious where you know, where you fall on that. And then they would turn that into a conversation or they're trying to, they haven't had that many connections, but they're trying to turn that into a conversation that would then lead to like, well, why don't I set you up with someone on our team that is more experienced with, you know, the industry that you're dealing with. Um, so, so that one we haven't seen bear fruit yet because it's still, they're still trying to gather insights from their account managers. I know. Um, so, Tom, those are fabulous ideas. Fabulous ideas, but did you do you notice what we're all doing? We are all putting the burden of our future pipelines on our SDRs. When in reality, young people who are traditionally young, I shouldn't say always, but yeah, I I've been saying that for years. Why would you expect your SDR team to know the right message? Like they're twenty something, right? Generically speaking, not always, but most of the time, yeah. and that just seems silly, right? So so yeah. Trish. What's it look like on the other side? Like, do you think like, you know, oh my God, everybody's just going to keep working from home because they're going to realize they don't need real estate and have offices anymore. Do you think people are, you know, I do think people are going to be, oh my God, I get to go to an office again. So I think that's important too. Like, what do you, any thoughts about what this stuff might look like 90 days a year from now? Oh to God, I lose the five or six pounds I've put on. Like, please. <laughs> that, that, that's gonna be a must but um i think we're gonna come out the other side a very different once again I, i'm assuming most people here are in b2b tech so i think we're gonna come out the other side a very different organization i think you know the companies that sent their sdrs home who didn't give their sdrs a stipend to buy the right equipment to work at home you know, you're crippling your people, you know, they're hunched over there on their couch or on their bed or wherever. You don't have noise canceling headphones. I mean, I think taking care of your people from a physical perspective is going to become a value that people publicize when they uh, go to recruiting. I think all the silly things that we did before this, like the bump email, I've sent you 42 emails before and you haven't responded. So let me send you this 43rd one. People aren't going to tolerate that anymore. They didn't tolerate that one before. I don't think they're going to tolerate it now. I think people are going to be looking for more value. I think we're going to be leaner and meaner. I think this whole thing has scared the crap out of us from a uh, financial perspective. So I think, you know, I will talk to companies who are buying growth one-to-one -one SDRs, like in the mid-market, whatever. VCs throwing money at that kind of thing. I don't think 
that's going to happen anymore. I think we're going to look like a very different industry. And I hope we're going to be more meaningful, more intentional, kinder, smarter. Those are all my wishes. What do you, so what do you think that SDRAE is going to look like? Because I've been saying for a long time, like, if you've got 10 AEs and five SDRs, you could force rank your AEs, get rid of nine and 10, and go buy five more SDRs, right? And have more SDRs than AEs, right? At a lower cost. That's sort of been my thought. But what do you think that ratio will shift to? I think it depends on so many variables, Richard. I think it depends on, do you have brand and name recognition? What's your average deal size? What level do you sell to in the organization? How long is your sales cycle? Where do you fit in the technology adoption life cycle? Those are just off the top of mind. So I, I think it really depends. I just think we're not going to, okay, so we, we belong to Modern Sales Pros, which is a fabulous, fabulous thing. Someone asks a question, nobody takes it to the next level, 52 people give an answer. And we're all like, oh, yeah, well, that was a good idea. Well, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll copy what that guy said. I'm like, you didn't even go to the second level of questioning, and you're already giving advice. I think that is over. I think people are really going to start thinking things through a little bit more. And I think we'll be better served by all of that. And I'm not throwing Martin sales pros under the bus because I think they're fabulous. Do you think that, <clears throat> do you think we're going to return to a world where AEs no longer feel so entitled that they never have to pick up the phone and cold call themselves? Well, I mean, they always should have, because I mean, all of our yeah, data shows that only 55 actually are two different things, right? Yeah. They're definitely not right now. And the longer that I think AEs who've been reliant upon, <clears throat> upon their SDRs to set all of their meetings for them, um, the longer the SDRs struggle, the AEs presumably are going to be forced to try to pick up the phone again and, and do some things themselves. Do you think that that <clears throat> will happen or do you think I'm wrong in this area? I think it will happen. I think necessity is the mother of invention. And um, right. I don't think we're going to be spending the kind of money, you know, that we have to date on filling the pipeline with low conversion rates. So, so I historically have stayed away from having any division of SDRs and, and AEs in my <clears throat> organization. What's that? You said it's not my fault you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we can go into that whole tirade and rant on, a, on another level. No, I, I think guess. we should do it right here. Why wait? I got plenty of examples that show I'm right, as I'm sure she has plenty of examples that show she's wrong. The Except point I'm in business twice as long as you swipe twice as many examples. Uh, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey. I don't know how much wine you've had, but I might need to step up my tequila drinking to, to, Apparently so. to come, at, to come yeah. at you. I'm trying to be polite. I'm getting attacked. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> the, point, the point is, and Calvin is asking the same question here, do you think we'll move towards organizations going back to the days where SDRs didn't exist and just going end-to-end -end and full sales? No. no, no. It doesn't make sense. You, you know, that's such a generic statement. So maybe in the SMB, like I'm on your bus, if I'm selling into the SMB and I'm selling to the owner, of course, that's going to, market's going to be decimated for a while, but let's say I am, and I'm selling to the owner of a business and I use an SDR to get a meeting with that person and then wait to bring the AE in two weeks later. 
that's never really made sense for me. So I think you yeah. have to look at who you're selling to um, and, and not put roadblocks in, in the buyer's journey. So they're um, in complete agreement. But if you're selling into the mid-market or you're selling into the enterprise, I don't think that someone who's working four to six large deals can also be prospecting at the same time effectively. So yeah. I think it's a case by case basis. It's very much dependent upon the size of the ticket and the purchase and the complexity. Exactly. In a transactional world, right? In a transactional world, you can't have a, you can't have an S, uh, SDR, right? No, that makes no sense in the transactional like, world whatsoever. Yeah. But, we, but we shoved them in there. Why, I don't know, but we did. Some people did. Some people yeah. avoided it. Yeah. I completely yeah. agree. What do you, what have you seen? And, and I don't think there's any, I, th I think there's a great light on this. And I know Matt is going to be, he didn't, he's not paying me enough to ask this question, which means nothing, but the amount of shitty leadership I've seen and <sighs> bad management of like people, not like none of us who are for most of us, maybe one or two of us, ever went through real management training, right? Like we got promoted because we were product experts. We were revenue experts. We could generate a phone call. We could generate a meeting, but nobody sat here and told me how to talk about when the cat died, right? And how to manage that kind of stuff. So do you think that management and leadership will also take some of this and go, wait a minute, we need to start teaching our managers to be human again and put the humanity back in leading sales as opposed to just following the numbers? No. Do you think they will? Or do you think no. they're going to forget it? Yeah. That would be my question too. Like, I, I don't, I don't believe the leaders, they're just going to turn the, they're just going to turn the spigot back on. That's my concern. Yes. I think, I think humans have proved how short our memories are when things uh, go real wrong and everybody makes grandiose statements about what we're going to fix. And then after a little bit, you revert back to some of the behaviors that you were doing before. I hope, I hope that's not the case, but um, I'm not as optimistic as, as other people on this. Trish, who, do you, who are you seeing do things right? Like who are you seeing, whether it's the pivot thing or they even figured it out ahead of time, have you seen some companies that are doing it right that are you know, leading by example? Or just I'm your gonna, client? I'm gonna say all, all of the Bridge Group clients. Exactly. Obviously, I'm going to say that. Um, let me give you B2C examples, though, because I think, you know, everyone can relate to B2C examples. So companies that I think are doing it really right, like JetBlue. I don't know how many of you are, are JetBlue customers, but they have been so thoughtful and so proactive and so articulate with their messaging that I think they have when the bounce comes, I think their customers are gonna be more crazy, wildly loyal to them than ever before. So I think they have done a phenomenal job. Their president and CEO just does such a good job with her articulation. She does these like 10 minute videos. I never watch 10 minute videos. I will watch every moment of her video just cause they're, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is how we're doing it. This is how it impacts you now. This is how it impacts you in the future. We should all be doing that for our customers. So what, what advice do you give to 
those SDRs, AEs, middle managers, anybody really who's, who's also been laid off and they're trying to better themselves for this bounce, right? How do they create that balance for themselves of, I need to keep learning, but hey, the world has given me a moment to exhale, so maybe I should exhale. I don't have the answer for SDRs right now. I wish I did. All I can say is I'm sending you nothing but love and positive frequencies because it's tough. You know, it's really, really tough. People are saying, you know, what do I do? How do I message? You know, I just wish our management teams would step up to the plate a little bit faster, a little bit better, a little more thoughtfully, um, with a little more for firsthand knowledge. That's my wish. What does that What does that mean to you? With a little, I mean, a little more thoughtful, a little more firsthand knowledge. Like, what does that mean? Do the job. Do the job. Grab some inbound leads. Follow up on them. Target a couple of companies. Do some outbound. Test some messaging. See what buyers say. Try some emails. Not that hard. You, we have the yeah. bandwidth. So, and, and do you think that they're afraid to do it? I don't think they think it's their job. I wonder if they think that because they're afraid to do it. They don't want to get on there and be wrong. They don't want to get on there and prove that this is uh, beyond normal. And to a large extent, I think you're right. They don't know how to create the messaging. Somebody's got to do it. Yep. Yep. So I would love, can, can any people in the, can anyone in the audience, can you unmute them if I ask yeah. them a specific question? Yeah. yeah. All right. Gary King. I got to find him, but hold on. I'm yeah, there Gary. There's Gary. Oh. I unmuted. Gary. Yes, ma'am. You heard what we just talked about. You have been in leadership for multiple <laughs> big companies for a really long time. What do you think about what we're saying? I, I, you know, I actually wrote some notes down for myself. I've got it in my list to do first thing tomorrow morning to call a couple of our, contact a couple of my reps here in the U.S. and say, give me some accounts that you want me to get into. I'm going to do some calling and do some, I've already done emails on the sequence using outreach and that in the past. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I've developed emails. So I think the calling is probably the big thing. Right now, I've told my reps, it's probably a great time to get in touch with people people are willing to take more meetings because they don't have all these distractions at work. They're more willing and able to do it. It's just more difficult to get people because you're calling their office number and they're not there. And if they don't have it forwarded, you're just leaving a voicemail. So to reach people, you got to use cell phone and then people are more sensitive about, well, I don't want to call people on their cell phone. You got some of that you're going through and, and being sensitive about what to say and how to say it, I get all along. But I like what you're saying because I believe it's great for leaders to lead by showing the way and doing it themselves. And I've done some calling, but it's been a while since I've done some calls. So I wrote it down. I'm going to do it myself. I like it, Trish. All right, Gary, have at it. Let me know what, how it goes. Proud does, of you. Does everybody, does everybody, I have a question for Gary. Like, did you really believe that people have more free time right now and, and are willing to take more calls? I, I mean, I'm home with my 10 and 12 year old and my wife who's working from home. And I have been working 15 hour days for the last month probably. I have had less time 
during this whole situation than I had in any of the months prior. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a generalization, and I, and I agree with you. I think there's plenty of people that probably have less time. In general, I think more people have more time, but that's just my idealistic excuse. And I told my reps, prove me wrong. And then one of my reps that maybe gets, you know, a meeting a day, if they get two meetings in a day, that's awesome. They got four meetings in a day. So I was like really excited for them. It, it showed that you can do it, but, um, you know, it every everyone's situation is a little bit different so i appreciate what you're saying yeah yeah richard one of these days you'll learn how to use it appropriately like so my question is if we if we have so much more free time now what the fuck were we doing before when we were at the office wasting time all day that, like, like is time management going to become out of this thing as a positive right like like what were we doing you're wasting time. So I've man, I've managed, I've managed hundreds of reps for the better part of 20 years. Everybody, everybody who's been on those sales floors knows that they're wasting God knows how much time texting their friends and family, looking at Facebook, sending GIFs all over the place, having meetings that don't mean anything, right? Hours and hours of time. Wasted. I'm not thinking about, I'm not thinking about the reps. I'm thinking about the, the, the management, the leadership. What oh, you know, they've been, they've been, been in a lot of meetings talking about how important they think they are. Anybody who's been in an executive meeting knows that 45 minutes of the hour and a half executive meeting is totally worthless, you know, and, and could have been done in, in a two second email. Gary's over there nodding his head. I was on an executive board meeting today and it was an hour and 45 minutes. And at the end, they asked me to rate how the meeting was on a scale of one to five. And I said it was a two because this should have been about half as long. So how do we teach people to shut up? How do we get them to stop wasting that level of time? Do we need to? Our, yeah. Is it our job to teach them that? Like. Well, sure. Why not? Someone's got to tell them. Shouldn't, shouldn't everyone be taking stock of the difference between a month ago and now and figuring out what's in the pro column, what's in the con, con column, what can I learn from this? What can I replicate? What can I abandon? This is, this is, I'm talking personally and professionally. This yeah, is, a, you know, right? I agree with Trish in this. Yeah, I would hope so. And, and I would, I would hope that companies recognize this a little bit. And the ones that are still crazy tight about like eight to five in the office hours and things like that. Like, I hope all that crap can disappear and people can take off in the afternoons when they're, when their work is done. Maybe you can even just, you know, work a couple days in the office and a couple days at home if people won't go fully remote. Hopefully some of those kind of things come out of this because people show the ability to be more effective and more efficient in a shorter amount of time in an office and without dealing with all the wasted, uh, wasted hours from the commute to pointless meetings and things like that. I think it's, I think it has more to do with the fact that they're going to finally, they're forced to trust that the employee will get the job done away from the office. That, that is, I think, the biggest problem, is people don't trust that an SDR can sit home and be effective, right? And they just trust so much, they don't even try. Now they're being forced to try, and they're finally realizing, oh, wait a minute, they're just getting the job done. Yeah. Melissa asked a good question about time management, and she said, would you recommend time chunking? You know, what are strategies you use to structure a productive day? Um, 
I calendar everything. Like I calendar two hours a day for outbound selling. This was before. Um, I calendar an hour for writing. I calendar time for networking. I, that works for me. I think everyone has their own rhythms and things that work specifically for them. But I'm, I'm very, very protective of, of my work week. So I block off a lot of times to make sure that I accomplish tasks that I know I need to accomplish. And if it doesn't fit in there, then it gets pushed uh, to a time when it does, just, just so I don't lose. Because it's so easy to lose yourself in the, what do they call it? Urgent, not important. Yeah, I like Matt. Matt, um, you know, gives everybody the red and green hockey stick like they're at the Brazilian steakhouse. So Matt's going to take us all to steak when this is all over. He's going to take us out to a nice steak dinner, all 50 of us. So thanks, Matt. We appreciate it. Okay. I went yeah. to Argentina and I didn't know what that was. So they kept bringing us food until we were like ready to die. But now I know. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, so we're getting to the end. And so Trish, we always do this on our podcast um, at the end. Which is, which is... I'm going to arm wrestle, Scott. Clearly, you would win. You would win, Trish. You would win. So, um, but, but seriously, what can we, and, and by we, at the moment, I kind of mean Scott and I, but also collectively to the group, how can we help Trish? I mean, you've been very generous with your time. You've been super supportive to answer our questions. How can we support Trish, the bridge group, which, you know, what can we do to help you? Well, I mean, I think I'm pretty passionate about the hashtag be the bounce um, and I don't own it. So any ideas you have where we can feed the community with rebound ideas for lack of a better term, um, just share information. I mean, you guys are really, really, really good about sharing information. Like I love the fact that you're like Netflix and you release all your podcasts at once. So everyone can kind of binge listen. I think that that was brilliant. Um, you know, there's so many people on here that like Dawn, you're so active on modern sales pros, Matt, I heard about everything you do. There's like great, like Tom, you know, and I can only see a small slice of people. So I'm missing anyone. But I think people are really, really sharing what they're learning. And I think we need to continue to do that, not just for the now, but there's a short term and there's a long term. Someone gave me this analogy today. They said, where we are is like there was a really bad car accident. And the EMT showed up. And the first thing they did is they showed up, they diagnosed, and they treat for immediacy. What has to happen right now so that we, these people can stay alive? Then what happens is you get to the hospital and you get into a longer term strategy. Okay, maybe they need to go into surgery. Maybe they need to do this. Maybe they need to do that. After that, then there's physical therapy. And then after that, they're normal. Where are we in this whole thing? It's, to me, it's still, we're still sort of, maybe a little beyond triage, but not that far beyond triage. So I think we, you can't think too far ahead. You need to think just what's going to get you to the next data point so you can make another decision. I agree. When, when do you think, when you think this, as this goes on, this will be the last question, we'll wrap up, but 
you know, let's say it's July one, right? Like, let's say, you know, by July, we've tackled this problem. How fast do you think companies ramp up? Oh, no, I'm not that smart. I don't know. Well, we should have your son on. Where's Matt? Where's Matt when we you need should. Him? He's really, right. really smarter than I am. And no one would say he's Scott's dad. So that would be, you know, another <laughs> benefit. Because everyone's like, is that your son behind you in that picture? Yeah, it's his stepbrother. It'd be Scott's stepbrother in this instance. Yeah, there you so, go. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. But yeah, Matt's yeah, way smarter than me. So feel free to have him on your podcast. Yeah, no, I, I, my, my concern is if we can get this thing restarted by July, that's good. If it takes till October, November, it, it, it waits till January. Right, like that's my big concern. Sort of from it. I don't know. I don't think quarters matter anymore. Like we always thought of everything in a quarter. Q one, Q two, Q two. Now I don't. I think it's day to day, month to month. Yeah. I don't think quarters. Right, Scott. I look. I, you. You. Can, I. My opinion, and I've been through hell and back, and the whole triage conversation. Like that has been my life for decades now. Um, you can't worry about whether it's going to be July or October or January when this thing is over. I think exactly, Trish is exactly right. You got to think, how do I get through today? Mm. That's it. What are the things that I need to, to do today to be happy, healthy, fulfilled, uh, sustained, all that kind of thing. And then you got to do it again tomorrow. And then you do it again the day after that. And that's about all that you can really control, you know, it, and, if you focus on those things that you can't control, things might not be perfect, but they're going to be better than if you worry and stress yourself out and try to solve things and predict and time everything. I just don't think that that is going to be healthy and helpful for, for anybody. And I, and I speak from, from the experience as somebody who's wondered for God knows how long, you know, when am I going to be okay? When is this going to be normal? You know, and the answer for me ended up being never. And so until I figured out that I just had to do whatever I had to do today to get by and to not just survive, but also thrive until I figured that out, you know, it, it was really hard. Um, and now it's, it's, it's not as hard anymore. Yep. That's great. So Trish, thank you so much for, for uh, coming on. We really, of course, we love you. We care about you. We, we, we are glad to hear it sounds like your family's doing well. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us today and, and giving us a lot of ideas. And thanks, oh, everybody. For pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thank thanks, Chris. Good to see you. You too, guys. Everyone stay safe and sane. Absolutely. Talk yep. to you later, everybody. Bye-bye.